The gateway to the state championship is through a real Texas toad strangler, folks. It's wet, it's windy, it's semifinal football. Listen up. This is it, fellas. This is what we've been working for right here. It's a beautiful night for football, gentlemen. Go out there and punch them right in the mouth. What do you say? Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, the podcast centered on Friday Night Lights, the NBC television show. I'm your host, Blake, coming to you from Oxford, Mississippi. And today we will be looking at episode 11 of season three, A Hard Rain is Going to Fall. Once again, this has been a uh, an episode where I think lots of things are being put into place for um, the, the last, this being the one of the last three episodes. The last three episodes, I think, are setting up for season four if it was if it's going to happen or not of course when they're writing this it was still unknown how the deal was going to work with uh, direct tv then showing nbc and um there's a lot of concern about if it's going to happen or not and um from reading some things on the internet and catching a few spoilers here and there um it seems like things at the end of <clears throat> end of this season set up really well apparently for uh either for season four to happen or for there to be some closure if if it didn't um and i think this right episode right here season through, uh, season three, episode eleven, really had a lot of things going on in it that are going to uh, going to come into play during the next through the next two episodes after this one. Um, but a hard rain is going to fall is one that we had a lot of conflict again, um, a lot of uh, intense moments, and uh, probably one of the most intense moments of our three seasons that we've had so far with Friday Night Lights. Um, but before we get into anything happening in this episode, and um, one of the major pieces of news. I'm sure that we're all excited to hear about is that yes, NBC and DirecTV did work out a deal for Friday Night Lights where it would be able to happen for at least two more seasons. They ended up renewing it until 2011, so that is that's something special that a lot of people are, are thrilled about. Um, Michael Asuela had <clears throat> had been hinting that that was going to happen. He knew it was a, a near deal, but it actually came through yesterday on Monday in an article that I read. Um, on GMANews.tv had an interview with Jason Cadams, um, or Cadams, the executive producer and one of the main writers. And he was talking through a little bit about it and um, just saying that NBC is glad to stand behind a high-quality show with a um, tremendously loyal fan base. Um, that's what Angela uh, Bromstad, who's the president of Primetime Entertainment for NBC, had said. Um, but as before, the shows will, will show first on DirecTV's 101 network, Channel 101. And um, then after they make their 13-episode run there, then again it will show again on NBC as it's happening right now. Um, you know, there's some, there's some, I guess, some you know, conversation about the with the ratings having been down a little bit with Friday Night Lights. But even though there's a pretty, pretty loyal and intent, passionate fan base there, um, the DirecTV showings may have eaten somewhat into the, the series network's ratings, is what uh, Cadams was speculating, but he called it a pretty brilliant uh, business decision, a pretty um, good move there to keep the show alive without compromising any of the creativity. Um, he ended up saying that the only thing we'd love for Friday Night Lights in the next few seasons is to get the awards and the attention that it deserves. Although it's received several Emmy nods and it's won a trophy for casting, it's been often overlooked in the best drama categories and best acting categories. So uh, it's it's something that um, we're we're really excited about. I think all of us here, Academy uh, said, not only do we know the show is going to stay in, but we know exactly how many episodes we're going to do, 
He says that I'll allow them to be able to think out to where they might want to lead to and what kind of stories they want to tell. I think that's something kind of parallel to what happened with Lost. Whereas in season three of Lost, there were a lot of extemporaneous episodes that seemed a lot of crazy things happening that you thought, what, what's going on here? It's not advancing the storyline. It's not advancing the plot. It just seems kind of wasted. And um, I think Carlton Cuse and uh, Damon Lindelof even admitted that there was some, I guess there's some unease there because they didn't know how much time they had in the show. Uh, but once with Lost, once they knew when it was starting, when it was ending, um, or from where they were to where it was ending, and they knew it was going to cover a, a so many episode arc, and at the end of season six, that would be it. They were able to really begin to jam pack the episodes with uh, effective plot uh, manipulation and effective plot items where they were continuing the storyline, and they had an end point, and they knew they had to fill these next X amount of episodes with stories and in, in the in the uh, Script work was able to be more intent and passionate about what's happening there. So, um, very good news about Friday Night Lights. And as as we will get into a little bit more news, I think towards the end. But um, right now, let's look at a hard rain is going to fall. Episode eleven. Hey, honey. What time is that meeting tonight? It's at six. Man, I cannot make heads or tails out of all this redistricting business. Well, they try to do that every year. Redistricting. Try to open up East Dillon High. It never happens, and it's never going to happen. Where's the cream? As we said earlier, this episode had a lot of things that I think that were building up to the next the next uh, two episodes as we close out this season. And that we know there's been some building tension uh, between J.D. and his dad, uh, but then it ends up resulting in this Applebee's parking lot beatdown at the end. Um, it's amazing the trouble that a cute redhead can cause, right? Uh, Lila has continued to hang out at Tim's house, but she's seeming to become the more irresponsible one now. And Tim is the one being more mature and taking care of her. And, and now Buddy Garrity is coming to Tim for advice. Uh, Grandma Saracen has shown more and more that she needs some extra care. You know, she falls out of the car. She ends up losing her slippers when they're actually on her feet and freaks out and really freaks freaks Matt out as well there, it seems. And the, um, with the relationship with Landry and Tyra, I'm just not sure where it's going it seems like same song second verse to some degree um but uh anyway you could tell there's some building relationships once again between the two of them but it does seem it does seem as if he's playing it a little bit smarter this time uh, but are we sure when the episode starts out we see billy and tyra and mindy and their mom there registering at some store we're not exactly sure which store but uh billy's wanting to go look at automotive for a leaf blower and I don't know what store they're in where automotive carries leaf blowers. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, it showed pretty quickly and you see Billy being a pretty big baby about Lila beating him at video games. So she says this is her first, her first time to ever even play this game. And he's getting off thinking she's cheating. You can see Tim coming his, excuse me, to Lila's defense there. And she's wanting to stay up and drink beer and play video games. I think she's trying to drown some of her frustrations with her, her dad and her family. And Tim's the one going to bed, and she said to him, "Okay, good night, Grandpa." You can tell it's kind of a uh, a slap to him. And funny, the next morning, he's trying to wake her up. He calls her Beer Wolf. Uh, I guess trying to combine beer and Beowulf. I thought that was pretty interesting uh, that he's even pulling out some literary uh, references there. Landry has a scones recipe. Uh, he ends up meeting up with Tyra by chance in the grocery store. Um, I didn't know that both of these guys are big grocery shoppers. But he has a scones recipe, and you can see him seeming to want to get pulled in, but being cautious about being a part of their, uh, I guess, because of their history and their past, being be a part of that again. 
as mentioned before, um, Madison shows up at practice, and during water break, uh, JD runs over there and saying, "Hey, what's going on? And how you doing? It's hot, yada yada." And says, "I'll text you later." And coach tells Wade to go over and call him over, and says, "You know, not on my t- time. This is my time here. Do that on your own time." Is what coach ends up telling JD. But uh, JD was having a great practice. You know, he was hitting his receivers in stride. Everything was going well. And at the same time, Wade still calls Joe McCoy and tells him that J.D. has been given partial effort and not doing well in practice and that that, uh, that little redhead is, is distracting everybody there. And so uh, to me, that irks me a little bit with Wade McCoy, I mean, excuse me, with Wade Aikman that he would call Joe and, and I guess basically punk out J.D. like that because uh, J.D. was doing all he needed to do and doing well at it. Um, and again, but it's, you can see the tension there ramping up huge and big time between the two of them. The redistricting is a big part of this episode. Is the D- uh, Dillon school district going to be split down the middle or not? Um, one of the things I thought was peculiar, because I've always had this question in my head, and some of you may be able to answer it. How big do you think Dillon, Texas is? I mean, there's Applebee's, and that seems to be the only restaurant that people in the whole place go to besides the Alamo Freeze or the... Um, I guess you could go to the landing strip or there are those couple of places that Tim told JD about. But how big is Dillon? Because when they're talking about splitting the district in between and you have Dillon High School and East Dillon, they said that each school, each high school, would have 1,000 students in each one. So that leads us to think that at least around 2,000 students are at Dillon High School. Um, I'm just still trying to figure out, you know, one of the questions before is where is Dillon? in reference to Austin, in reference to Dallas, in reference to San Antonio and these places. But um, anyway, the redistricting, I think that's a, that's a, big, that's a big plot piece right there. Um, it's something I think that, that happens different times in, in a lot of the school districts, uh, a lot of the places that most of us have grown up. Um, you even see Coach Taylor say, you know, that all the, over and over, we always hear about um, East Dillon about to be opening up. He says it's never happened and it's not going to happen. But anyway, then before long, we see even the the boosters trying to redraw the district lines based on who they need to keep on the on the team and who lives where. And they may still be in junior high now, but those boys are big and they'll make good linemen once it gets here. And it's kind of comical, but at the same time, I can see it happening in in Texas. I can see it happening in in Mississippi. I can see it happening in Alabama quite easily. Um, in that meeting, you you see a little bit of a. I wouldn't even call it a rift, but some some banner, which I would consider almost more friction between JD, excuse me, Joe McCoy and Buddy. And Joe McCoy makes the the joke about uh, Buddy and his his troubles at the landing strip uh, last week or so. And then Buddy tries to reply back with a joke and blow it off, but you can see his face that he wasn't too sure about that comment. And so it makes me wonder that maybe Joe McCoy is not quite the uh, the top dog that that he thought he was, that Joe McCoy is not quite the, as influential and um, great as Buddy thought that he might be there. Because uh, I think that, that hurt a little bit. We see a little bit earlier uh, than this when Shelby, Saracen's mom, was going to be taking Lorraine to the grocery store. And Lorraine forgot something as Shelby was starting to back out. She got out. She got hurt. There's a bit of a blow up between uh, Matt and Shelby at the hospital when the doctor and Shelby are trying to say that maybe uh, Matt's grandma needs some extra attention. Maybe she needs to live at home. And Matt 
is being very defensive and saying, no, she doesn't. She, she's fine where she is. She wouldn't have gotten hurt if you had been doing your job and taking care of her like you said you were going to. And just after that, uh, Lorraine is sitting in her chair watching, watching TV while Matt's doing some homework at the kitchen table. And she's looking for slippers. And in a very powerful moment, a very, um, I guess, a emotionally uh, filled moment was when she says she can't find her slippers. And she's calling for her slippers. And all the while, they're on her feet. And Matt's trying to say, look, they're right there, Grandma. Just look down, you'll see them. And she starts screaming and yelling. She can't find them. And um, you could you could see Matt's Matt's eyes. He was scared there. He was getting um, – and I think, again, that's Matt Saracen, or Zach Guilford, I should say, is probably – uh, one of the best actors on the show. And, and this, what makes Friday Night Lights as good as it is, I think is the acting um, from almost top to bottom. They're all, they're all top notch. And, but Zach Guilford has done very, very well. And I remember reading a article, an interview with him saying that the lady that plays his grandmother is, is a great lady and she's, she's got it all together and she's, she's sharp and she's funny, but um, she plays that character so well that he was really taken aback and scared during the filming of that episode even. Um, I'll mention a few more things from that interview later, and I'll make sure I post it, I post it in, the, in the show notes. You can tell that uh, Joe McCoy is wanting J.D. to make decisions that go against the coach's decisions as they're driving to the, the this game before uh, going to Albany State. And it's a rainy night. Uh, I think that's the obviously the, the title reference, a hard rain is going to fall. But uh, it's raining, and Joe's telling me, you know, don't don't worry about throwing the ball. You just run the ball. You run your option, but um, you know, pass option. But you you pull the ball out of the gut of the running back, and don't throw it. You run it yourself, and be in control. And, and he's trying to be the coach there in the car, and he's like, okay, I got I got it, Dad. I got it, Dad. And ends up um, getting to the game, and it seems that Coach Taylor has to throw the ball a bit more. He's throwing, he's throwing, he's throwing. And uh, Joe is yelling at him, come on, do what you got to do. Further, I think, <laughs> accentuate, I guess, the gulf and the divide between Eric Taylor and Joe McCoy. And here's the son caught in the middle. Do I do what my dad says or do what my coach says? And um, Coach Taylor ends up calling more passing plays, and they come back and they score with a matter of seconds to go in the game. And they're down now 13-14. Do they go for the extra point for us overtime? And he ends up calling the – Two-point conversion, going for two, and uh, calls a pass play of all things. Um, and J.D. does a Brett Favre or Joe Montana-esque scramble, uh, trying to get out of the hands of a few different defenders. You think he's about to go down, he's about to get sacked, and then he scrambles out and throws a brilliant two-point conversion into the back of the end zone to the running back, Tim Riggins. And everybody celebrates, and you even hear Joe McCoy saying he got lucky. He got lucky then. And you can feel the, the tension mounting even more so in the car going where with the Applebee's, of course, where it seems like half the town has shown up to celebrate the post-game meal. And J.D. is on the phone in the back seat talking to Madison on the phone and being pretty casual and flippant. Yeah, it was fun out there. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah, it's like playing on a big slippery slide and just kind of being silly and goofy as, as a young boy would be on the phone with his girlfriend. Um, not the big shot quarterback big time. But um, just being a guy chilling with his girlfriend on the phone right now. And uh, Joe yells at him to turn the phone off, and he gets pretty intense. And um, here's a little clip from that. But I, yeah, I know. It was cold. <laughs> I know. It was crazy. No, it, it was good out there. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's like playing on a slippery slide or something. What? 
You better stop. You're going to get it, all right? Hang up the phone. Yeah. What? I said hang up the phone. Why? Hang up the phone! Joe, relax! Hey, um, can I call you back later? Yeah. So you can see that right after that, uh, the emotions are quite high. And uh, it ends up turning into a fight in the parking lot. Um, one where JD t- says, screw you. You know, why don't you call why don't you call Madison again and talk to her parents? You going to do that again? And Joe's anger is going to go until the, he starts pushing and shoving and hitting and slamming JD up against the back of the vehicle and hitting his head on the back of the SUV. And uh, Coach and Tammy are inside Applebee's, of course, and uh, see the... I guess the altercation started to escalate and he runs out there just in time to pull him off and turns into a thing where Joe walks off in the middle of a pouring rain and uh, they end up going to the house and uh, JD talks to coach and Katie talks to Tammy and they don't know what to do, what's going to happen. And JD talks about the pressures he's had. And, um, you know, there's one of the comments from, from the blog, from the blog. We'll talk about that in a minute. That one of the, one of the listeners and watchers has an opinion about that. I'd love to have some more feedback on too. But, um, you know, Matt ends up after the game uh, having a conversation with Shelby and they kind of work out some of the differences there. But those are some of the key moments. Uh, that's not a, a blow by blow of what's happened. Was, those are some of the things that kind of made me think about the show. Um, you can see that, that Lila seems to be going uh, the irresponsible route, but is wanting to, to be the – she says she doesn't think she has any family now and Tim's trying to be the best he can be for her. And, again, some very, very, moment, uh, very, very uh, mature moments for him for some listener feedback and listener feedback is something that I've been hoping to, uh, to get more and more of. We have some comments on the blog that we'll read through, um, that we'll talk about and also a voicemail that, um, someone left for us too. And again, if you have anything that you'd like to be able to contact us about and talk with us, feel free to contact us by giving us a call at 646-495-9205 extension 95469. Again, 646-495-9205 and extension 95469. And that information is at our blog, which is at fnlpodcast.com. And so you can uh, visit there and leave a leave a comment. Or obviously you can send us an email at fnlpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, all those are checked pretty frequently. And we can get those a part of the podcast here. Um, and uh, we we ask that you would because it's uh, the more you comment, the more interest that that it ramps up, the more things that we can we can have it be a part here. So we will go to our uh, comments that we've had on the blog and to the voicemails as well. Start off with a voicemail. Here we go. Hey Blake, Rob from Michigan, just calling to say I'm enjoying the podcast. Just started listening. Uh, keep it up. Uh, wanted to comment on a specific scene in the Giving Tree episode. Um, I thought the scene uh, between Matt and Coach Taylor was one of the best scenes in the entire series. Uh, Kyle Chandler once again proves why he should be nominated for an Emmy. He brings so much authenticity to the role that you believe every ounce of what he's saying. Um, most of that scene was nonverbal, so uh, just two simple lines, and he conveys all his frustrations as a father in that situation. It's good stuff. Um, we'll keep it going with the podcast because the show deserves some good discussion. Uh, it's without doubt one of the smartest and most engaging shows a viewer could ask for. So looking forward to the next podcast. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Ralph. And I have to agree with you that that was one of the more intense moments as well. And one of the more uh, uncomfortable moments 
feeling for Matt Saracen right there, but at the same time, it was a bit humorous seeing Coach just scrub the heck out of that grill. Um, the interview that I said I saw from uh, Sports Illustrated's website with uh, Zach Guilford, he was talking about the scene where he was there, and he said that it was pretty memorable when he went out on that back porch to talk to him. Um, he said that Kyle Chandler just had this crazy look in his eyes. He said that that uh, Kyle Chandler has two daughters, and so you could tell that, that he was thinking about that and processing that and channeling that into his character. Um, Guilford said they actually only did two takes on that entire scene, that he totally had it, Chandler did. And um, he, he couldn't even look Chandler in the eye. It was so intense right there. And I totally agree that Kyle Chandler owns not just that scene, but so many scenes because of the great actor that he is and how he's able to even non-verbally communicate so much into uh, a moment in a scene with the look, with the facial expression, with the calmness, but the seriousness is so often. So um, thanks, Ralph, for calling in, and I hope you can do it again very soon. And I look forward to some others being able to take advantage and call in. And on the blog, I had posted a couple of questions, seeing if people wanted to respond to those and uh, maybe to be able to get some reaction from some of the different events that happened in A Hard Rain is Going to Fall. And I'd ask about mom and his, about Matt's yelling at his mom in the hospital and a buddy's conversation with Tim Riggins as he drove him out into the middle of nowhere, uh, wondering if Madison was a distraction during the water break for J.D. at practice. And was J.D. disrespectful to Joe or did Joe have it coming there? And um, what's up with Coach Taylor having to break up yet another fight there? And a question about the redistricting as well. Tanya McKinney wrote in, and she said that she thought that Matt yelling at his mom in the hospital had a lot to do with the frustrations that he's feeling. Um, he needed to blow off some steam that he later figured out that it's not really what he should have done. He, he had to apologize, and he realized there. Um, at the end of the show with his, with his mom, it shows that he really needs her as much as she needed him. Tony also said that Tim is the only one who can really get through to Lally right now because Buddy is drawing his, you know, strings to try to get his daughter's good graces back there. Uh, that He never should have used her college money for the investment, but he he did, and, and now he knows he needs to do whatever he can to make that up to his daughter. And it's a good thing for Tim to know that Buddy's finally maybe seeing that Tim's not a bad guy. Um, and as we've said before, I think Tim's matured a lot his uh, his senior year here. Um, Tony says that J.D. was not disrespectful at all, that Joe's expecting way too much from his son. Um, you know, let him, let him live and make his own mistakes. And uh, he's, just gonna, he's just making uh, J.D. resent his father for pushing him too much. And she thinks that Coach Taylor is saving of it all. She that everyone is just waiting for the next fight for him to break up, it seems like. Um, but however, she thinks that there needs to be a fight with uh, Coach Taylor and somebody else to let someone else break up break that one up this time. And so I'm assuming that uh, Tony's speculating there needs to be a fight between Coach and Joe McCoy, which uh, whoever this actor is that's playing Joe McCoy, he does a fantastic job at making us all hate him and making us all despise him, whether it's what he's working on with the team or how he's treating his son, whether it's the way that he's trying to manipulate and control things just because of his uh, his wealth and influence and his Division One golden-armed son who's only a freshman at this point. Um, Chris also made a comment on the blog, and uh, he said he stumbled across the podcast after perusing the message boards on NBC. Uh, he says that he thinks that Friday Night Lights is an outstanding show for so many reasons, uh, that the people that um, that listen, people that read the blog already know, but he says that, uh, suffice to say that he loves the show and the people. Um, he says that... Uh, that he that uh, he was hoping that Matt's mother and grandmother would have reached some sort of peace accord in the previous episode, 
but then it seems like it hadn't happened. They fell short, and that small thaw never grew. He supposes that in real situations, such a, a thaw might be a little too much to ask, but Matt seems to shoulder way too much of his grandmother's care. The wear of my slippers episode uh, would have had him throwing rocks at this woman, he said, uh, for real, uh, which is pretty intense to say. Uh, but I think on the outside looking in, sometimes we, we miss the, the love and care that Matt obviously has for his grandmother. And so I can see, I think maybe where Chris may be coming from there, he says, but Matt takes the burden on himself and seems to want to push away the only one person, Shelby, who can help and is actually willing to help. It makes for an awkward dynamic. Um, he says Buddy's lost any leverage that he previously had over Tim because Buddy's lost any connection and leverage over his own daughter. Um, the lost father seeks advice from whoever and wherever he can. Uh, he said that he loved Tim's final comment, so am I supposed to walk back from here? Um, Chris thinks that Madison is only a distraction to uh, to Joe McCoy. He's he's all torqued up over her, and while Katie McCoy is taking a more realistic approach, saying he's he's a teenage boy, you know, for goodness sake. Chris puts out a theory here that um, I, I think is very interesting and intriguing. I'm not sure that I, I line up with it, but I'd love to hear some, some comments about this. He says that his crystal ball sees that the McCoy splits up and Katie's tempted to, quote, fall into the arms of Eric next season. Um, he said he can see those railroad tracks heading in that direction as clear as day, that there's so many ways that it could evolve into that and provide a potentially explosive story arc. He thinks that uh, Coach Taylor is the diplomat at all times and always with a long and thoughtful pause before speaking. And that the relationship between Katie and Eric that he mentioned before uh, may have had its genesis at that moment when Eric had to come and break up that fight and try to be peacemaker and calm the everybody's, I guess, uh, the fires that started up right after that. Um, he says that he understands that that's just conjecture at this point, but uh, he thinks that it's, it's a story arc that is, is looking towards happening. He says that the redistricting arc was also marvelous and it strikes a chord with anyone who deals with small town politics. They find the borders based on some uh, sixth grader who's got a good potential as a nose tackle. It was hilarious, but at the same time, it illustrates the biases, the special interest in it taking up the rest of, that ended up taking the rest of us for a ride. Um, so those uh, are a few pieces of, of feedback that we've had so far. Um, again, invite you to come and, and be a part of any sort of feedback you can give. Um, again, the, the information to contact us is there on the website, fnlpodcast.com, and you can email us or leave a voicemail. At any of those things, that'd be awesome. We, we encourage you and look forward to that very soon. Well, that about does it for this week's Clear Eyes, Full Hearts. Um, I will put in the show notes the different interviews with um, – some of the producers, writers, cast members, what have you, about the new seasons coming up, about the renewal, uh, looking back at some of the scenes that were filmed. There's, like I said, a very good interview with Zach Guilford and talking about uh, how the show's done and some of the different scenes, and he and Landry and he and Grandma Saracen. And talks about Twitter and Facebook, both even a little bit on there. But um, some of those different things. And I'm going to put one as being a little spoiler-esque. But Jason Cadams has a great interview looking towards what to expect for season four. But if you haven't um, been able to watch the end of season three yet, don't pay attention at all to this this interview or it will ruin um, what happens in episodes 12 and 13 for you. So I encourage you to wait on that. Um, and it'll, it'll be Mark's spoiler, so don't worry about watching that one. 
Um, again, I encourage you to, uh, to give us some feedback. Uh, let us know what you may think could help make the, the podcast be better. Um, it can just be some feedback that way, or it could be some feedback about the show in general, about the episode specifically, about the characters, the storylines, how you see the, um, the arc of their, of their uh, plots happening. Um, and at the same time, one of the things I'm still looking to, to have is, is maybe a co-host. And so if anybody has some suggestions, uh, give me a holler, and we'd love to have some, some of the people involved with the show uh, maybe be able to be a guest on the podcast too. And so if you have any way you can show me the directions to maybe make that be possible, we look forward to that. Uh, and again, my name is Blake. So glad to be here with you and looking forward to another podcast coming up before you know it. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose.